Hello everyone and welcome back to Free Reads. It seems we're having a spot of adventure here in Free Reedsville. As I record this, Hurricane Sandy is swirling around me. The storm is rattling the windows, and it sounds like there's a 747 landing on our driveway. Exciting. But is it as exciting as another installment of Love Story? You'll have to be the judge of that. Usually I natter on about this and that before I commence to read to you, but, you know, the lights just flickered and we could lose power at any time. Here, then, is part two of Love Story. Two. Silmian was proud of his scrap. Tevil, he corrected himself, cupping the name he had given her on his tongue. He was so proud that losing her mother almost didn't matter anymore. He spotted her and some of her friends, splashing in the pond across the bone garden. She was so quick, so carefree, so beautiful in the chill blue light of the mother moon. What? Ma'am had stopped to smell the sweet bind that wound through the skeleton of someone's long-dead ancestor. She hurried over to him. What? He pointed. Ma'am was already nearsighted from spending so much time indoors, the curse of the nursery. Distance seemed to confuse her. She hasn't seen us yet, he said. The scrap? The tween, said Silmian. Tevel. Silmian was proud of Ma'am, too. She had been a good parent, considering everything that had happened. After all, Tevel was their firstborn. Silmian knew just how lonely this long, rainy season had been for Ma'am, especially since she didn't exactly understand about Valen and the aliens. But that wasn't right. Silmian was always surprised at how much Ma'am understood, even though she did not follow the news or query the tell. She engaged the world by means that were mysterious to him. If she did not always read for the complex, her grasp of essentials was firm. Silmian drew strength from her trust in him and her patience. Even though it was a burden on her not to be nursing a scrap, she had never once nagged him to start looking for a mother to take Valen's place. I'm glad you came tonight, ma'am. He wanted to put an arm around her but he knew that would make her uncomfortable. She was a ma'am, not a mother. Instead, he stooped and picked a pink button bright and offered it to her. She accepted it solemnly and tucked it behind her ear. There was something about visiting the gardens that revived Silmian, burned troubles away like morning mist. It was not only nostalgia for the simple time when Valen had chosen him, and he had found ma'am. It was the scent of the flowers and ponds, of mulch and moss, of the golden musk of old parents, the sharp, 
hormone-laden perfume of tweens and the round, honest stink of chickens. It was the father moon chasing the mother moon across an enormous sky, the family obelisks pointing like fingers toward the stars. Valen had always used to tease him about being such a romantic. But wasn't that the father's job? To dream? To give shape to the mud? The gardens were the place where families began and ended, where futures were spun, lives honored. Over here! Tavel had finally caught sight of them. Come meet my friends! Silmian waved back. More introductions, he whispered to ma'am. I don't recognize a single face in this batch. It was only his second visit of the dry season, but he was already having trouble keeping them all straight. Although he was glad Tevel was popular, he supposed he resented these fortunate tweens for stealing his little scrap away from him. Tevel, he reminded himself again. Tevel. At home, he and ma'am still called her the scrap. Come along, ma'am. Just a long smile and a short bow, and we'll have her to ourselves. Not me, said ma'am. You. Silmian blinked in surprise. There was that odd smell again, a dusty staleness, like the corner of an empty closet. If Valen had been here, she would have known immediately what to do. But then, if she were here, ma'am wouldn't be. Nonsense, said Silmian. We're her family. Ma'am crouched abruptly, making herself as small as possible. Doesn't matter. She smoothed the sagging pouch to her belly self-consciously. Why did you come, then? said Silmian, if not to see Tevel. You wanted me. Ma'am, the scrap wants you to. I'm not here. Ma'am was staring at her feet. They had to stop arguing, then, because a clutch of old parents entered the garden, giggling and stroking the bones. One, a father with thin, cement-colored fur, noticed the button bright behind Ma'am's ear and bent to pick one for himself. His companions teased him good-naturedly about acting his age. Then a shriveled Ma'am popped one of the flowers into her mouth, chewed a few times, and spat it at the father. Everyone laughed, except Silmian and Ma'am. Ordinarily, he enjoyed the loopy antics of the old, but now he chafed at the interruption. I'll bring Tevel to you, he whispered to Ma'am. Is that what you want? She made no reply. She curled her long toes into the damp soil as if she were growing roots. Silmian grunted and left her. Ma'am was not getting any easier to live with, she was moody and stubborn and often reeked of self-loathing. Yet he had stuck by her, given her every consideration. Not once, since he had first told her about Valen, had he let his true feelings show. It struck him that he ought to be proud of himself, too. It was small comfort, but without a mate to share his life, all he had were glimmers and wisps. Pa-pa-pa! Tevel hauled herself partly out of the pond and perched on the grassy bank. My father? Silmian! Her glistening coat clung to her body, making her as streamlined as a rocket. She must have grown four or five centimeters since the solstice. Here is Mika, Talantri, Kujala, Carmi, 
Jotan and Putket. Tevel indicated each of her friends by splashing with her foot in their direction. Carmi and Jotan and Putket were standing in the shallow and acknowledged him with polite, but not particularly warm, bows. Gujala, uh, or was it Talantri, was treading water in the deep. She just stared at him. Only Mika clambered up the bank of the pond to greet him properly. Silmian, said Mika as they crossed hands, it's truly an honor to meet you. It is you who honor me, Silmian murmured. The tween's effusiveness embarrassed him. Tevel tells us that you write stories. Silmian shot Tevel a glance. She returned his gaze innocently. I write many things, he said. Mostly histories. Love stories, said Mika. Talantri's head disappeared beneath the surface of the pond. I wouldn't call them love stories exactly, Silmian said. I don't like sentiment, but I do write about family sometimes, yes. Talantri surfaced abruptly, splashing about and making rude, blustery sounds. The three standing tweens smirked at her. Silmian has been on the towel, said Tevel. Right? Right? Show me the light. My man was on the towel last year, said one of the standing tweens. And she's a stupid old log. Even aliens get on the towel now, said another. Have you written any love stories about aliens? Mika was smirking, too. With a sick lurch, Silmian realized what was going on. The tweens were making fun of him. And Tevel. Only his trusting little scrap didn't get it. He wondered if the reason she was always in the middle of a crowd was not because she was popular, but because she was a freak. Can't write love stories about aliens, Talantri rolled onto her back. Why not? She did not reply. Instead, she sucked in a mouthful of pond water and then spat it straight up in the air. The three standing tweens spoke for her. Their mothers are mams. Perverts. Too few. Haven't a clue. Isn't that right, Tevel? The air was suddenly vinegary with tween scorn. Tevel seemed taken aback by the turn of the conversation. She drew her knees to her chest and looked to Silmian, as if he could control things here in the garden the way he had at home. No, he said, coming around the pond to Tevel. I haven't written about the aliens yet. His voice rose from the deepest part of him. But I've thought a lot about them. He could feel his scent glands swell with anger and imagined his stink sticking its claws into them. Unlike you, Talantri, he singled out the floating tween as the leader of this cruel little gang. Maybe you should try it. He reached Tevel, tugged her to her feet, and pulled her to him. You see, they're our future. They're calling us to grow up and join the universe. All of us, tweens and families and outs and the old. If they really are perverts, as you say, then that's what we will be some day. I suppose that's a big thought to fit into a small mind. He looked down at his scrap. What do you say, Tevel? I don't know what you're talking about. Her eyes were huge as the mother moon. 
Then maybe we should discuss this further. He bowed to the others. Luck always. He nudged Tevel toward the bone garden. Silmian heard the tweens snickering behind him. Tevel heard it too. Her gait stiffened, as if she had sand in her joints. He wondered if the next time he visited her, she might be like them. Talantri and her friends had the next four years to twist his scrap to their shallow thinking. The family had made her a tween, but the garden would make her into a mother. Silmian felt removed from himself as they passed the wall built of skulls that marked the boundary to the bone garden. No Tevel, no Valen, ma'am a stranger. He could not believe he had defended the aliens to the tweens. That was Valen talking, not him. He hated the aliens for luring her away from him. It was almost as if they had seduced her. He shivered. Maybe they were perverted. Besides, he must have sounded the pompous fool. Who was he to be speaking of small minds? He was ordinary as a spoon. Well, said Tevel. Well, what? Papa, you embarrassed me, Pa. He sighed. I suppose I did. Is this the way you're going to be? said Tevel. Because if it is, no. I'll mind. He licked two fingers and rubbed them on her cheekbone. But are you sure they're your friends? Silmian! I just thought I'd ask. If they're not, it's, it's your fault. She skipped ahead down the path and then turned on him, blocking his way. Why do you always have to bring ma'am? What do you mean, always? He looked over her shoulder. The old parents had dotted off, but ma'am had not moved. Even though she was still a good thirty meters away, he lowered his voice. It's only been three times, and she wanted to see you. Why can't she wait until I come home for a visit? Besides, I don't have anything to say to her. What am I supposed to do? Play a game of fish and snakes? Climb into her fruity old pouch? I'm not a scrap anymore. She's unhappy, Tuvel. She feels unwanted, useless. Don't use my name, because there's nothing I can do about that. Tuvel's ears went flat against her head. It's strange, you two here together. When the others have visitors, they get their mothers and fathers. She's not my mother. No, he said. She's not. Tubble's stern facade crumbled then, and she broke down, quietly but completely, just as her mother had on the night she had left him, and he hadn't seen it coming. Silmian cursed himself for having stones up his nose and knotholes for eyes. Tevel's body was racked by sobs, and she keened into his chest so that ma'am wouldn't hear. They say such mean things. They say that ma'am picked my name, not you, and that she named me after a character in a stupid love story. I tried to joke about it with them, so they won't make a joke of me. But then they start in about my mother. They say that because she's a doctor... That the aliens? She turned a scared face up to him. Her scent was bitter and smoky. 
What happened to the baby, Papa? Is he still in her? I want to know. It's not fair I never got to see you pull him from mother and bring him to ma'am. That's what's supposed to happen, isn't it? Not all the disgusting things they keep saying. And I'm supposed to be there. Only I wasn't because she went to the aliens. It's, it's not my fault. I'm tired of being different. I want to be the same in a real family. Like Talantry, the same. She caught her breath, sniffed, and then rubbed her face into the stubby fur on his chest. No blame. No shame, she said. The same, she shuddered, and the hysterics passed as cleanly as a summer squall. He bent down and licked the top of her head. Are you unhappy here, my beautiful little tebble? She thought about it then sniffed and straightened her dignity. This is the world, she said. There is nowhere else. The orange father moon was up now, resuming his futile chase of the mother moon. It was the brightest part of the night when the two parent moons and their billion star scraps cast a light like spilled milk. A stirring along a hedge of bunch bead where a farm bot was harvesting the dangling clusters of fruit, distracted Silmian momentarily. I'm proud of you, he said. It wasn't what he wanted to say, but he couldn't think of anything better. When the robot passed them, he dipped into its hopper, pulled out a handful of bunch beads, and offered them to Tebble. She took some and smiled. Silence slid between them. Somewhere in the distance, the chickens were singing. Tubble watched the stars as she ate. Where is Mars? she said at last. It's too far away. Silmian looked up. We can't see it. I know that, but where is it? Kadut showed me their star last week. He came up behind her and rested his elbow on her shoulder, pointing so that she could sight along his forearm. It's in the mask. There. Why did they come, the aliens? They want to help, I guess. That's what they say. I have to get back soon, said Tubble. Let's go see ma'am. Tubble was very polite to ma'am, and Silmian could see that the visit cheered ma'am up. Ma'am insisted on waiting while Silmian walked Tubble back to her burrow. But he finally understood that this was what both of them wanted. Back at the burrow, Tubble showed him a life story she was working on. It was about Olet, the scientist who had first identified estrophins, the hormones that determined which females became mothers and which mams. Silmian was impressed by Tubble's writing and how much she had absorbed from the teaching tells in just one season. She was quick, like her mother. Tubble promised to copy her working draft onto the tell so he could follow along with her research. As he was getting ready to leave, her roommate Livon came in. To his relief, Silmian remembered her name. They chatted briefly. Silmian was on his guard for any sign of mockery, but there wasn't any. Livon seemed to like Tubble and for her sake tolerated his intrusion into their privacy. Luck always he said, to both of you. And then he left. 
It was only later that his anger caught up with him. Ma'am had fallen asleep, lulled by the whoosh of the go-to through the tunnels. So there was no one to notice when he began to wring his hands and squirm on his seat. First he was angry at himself, then at Talantri, then at Tevel's teachers, then at himself again, and finally his outrage settled on Valen. She had been the leader of their family. Where she jumped, they followed, even if they landed in mud. It had been her idea to move to the paddies, where the air was thick and the water tasted of the swamp. Farmers needed doctors, too, she said. She had been the one who healed the family's wounds as well, the one they all talked to. Yet, when she left them, she wouldn't say exactly why she was going. Only that there was something important she had to find out from the aliens. Valen had ripped his life apart, left him incomplete, but he had tried not to hurt her the way she had hurt him. Speakers from the Tell had interviewed him about Valen and about his life now. In all his statements, he had protected her. Her work with the aliens was important, he said, and he supported it, as all the families must. There were so many diseases to be cured, so much pain to be eased. It was an honor that she had been chosen. If he had followed a different path, it was because he was a different person, not a better one. He had done all this, he realized now, not because it was the right thing to do, but because he still loved her. Only Silmian had not realized how much she had hurt Tevel. Valen hadn't visited the gardens, hadn't even copied a message to the tell. Silmian had long since decided that Valen had left the family because she had been bored with him. And maybe he could understand that. But no mother ought to be bored with her own tween. For an hour, his thoughts were as blinding as the noonday sun. Eventually, Silmian had to calm himself. Their stop was coming up, and he'd have to rouse Ma'am soon. What was it Tevel had said? This was the world. What did he have to give to it? A new family? The truth was, he couldn't imagine some poor out taking Valen's place. But life was too short, twenty years from pouch to bone garden. A new family then. And afterward, he'd give the world his story. He would need to get some distance from Valen. He could see that. But eventually he would write of how she had hurt him and Ma'am and Tevel. He would tell how he had borne the pain, like a Ma'am carries a scrap. He paused, admiring the image. No, not a love story. The story of how he had suffered because of her. Because of Valen and the aliens. And we'll stop there. You have been listening to Love Story, which first appeared in Asimov's science fiction magazine 
in June of 1998. Well, the lights are still on, for now. And so I'll get off. But click back again next week, because unless I get blown to Oz, I'll be here to bring you another episode of The Free Reads Podcast. <laughs>